This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Football, Badgers, basketball, and then for... Or, yeah, Badgers football, Packers football. And then for basketball, we do a power pair, right? And uh, he's been really on your hype train. And I have not been able to pick you on my three stars because that's that's Tyler's boy. Now, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a really big Ingjog Meta guy. Got I think it. his growth this season has been <laughs> tremendous. Um, but, yeah, that's this this is Tyler's this is Tyler's day, man. So I'm going to let Tyler take over here real quick. <laughs> Just put me out there like that. So that's how we're starting the show. All right. That's hey, that's that's what we have them here for. That's why we're excited to have them. So welcome yes, to another sir. Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Uh, Jake and I are very excited. Um, we have CJ Getz with us. Um, we can't see him, but we can hear him. So we got that. Um, what is really cool about this is that CJ Getz is actually our first active player on the show. We've had we've had a bunch of analysts, and uh, we had Tim Dillard on the show, who was a former player, but uh, CJ is our our first active player, so we're very excited to welcome him in. Um, how you doing? Doing good. How are you guys? Fantastic, man. Oh, just, Fantastic. Just uh, loving Wisconsin winter. <laughs> <laughs> it's here. All righty. So we want to make sure we're respectful of your time, so it's going to get right into it. So I think the question that's at the front of everybody's mind, maybe – maybe one of two questions at the front of everybody's mind, but what was your first impression of Luke Fickle? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, we all had, like all, most of the players had one-on-one meetings with him, like literally the date right after. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, he's obviously very, very, um, you know, talented coach, very, and you can just tell by like uh, interview and one-on-ones with them that he's a very good guy as well, which I mean, that's a huge thing, but um, you know, I think that biggest thing with him is, you know, his past, his past uh, record at Cincinnati and how he turned around Cincinnati and, you know, the reaction of all Cincinnati players when he left, you know, everyone was so like sad to see him go. And um, you know, I think that speaks volumes, you know, if it was past players or for those players, and, um, you know, I think he has a really good plan, a uh, really good developing plan. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, definitely Wisconsin's in good hands with Coach Fickle. Awesome. 
Love to hear that as a Badger fan. I'll tell you what, I was I was very excited when we got him. I was I was almost giddy to the point where I was like, oh my God, dude, where, I'm thinking playoffs, I'm thinking titles. This guy just got here, right? Our next question is, did you consider the transfer portal? Um, no, I really did not. Um, you know, growing up here and playing here, you know, it was always kind of, you know, a dream, I guess, when I was younger. And, you know, to have an opportunity to play here, um, you know, I can't really say that. I want to play anyone play anywhere else or anything like that. So, you know, I just saw it as, you know, some change and some change that, you know, you can take it two ways. You can see it as a positive or you can just dwell on the negative. And, you know, I decided to just see the positive out of it and, you know, just keep grinding away. Love it. Absolutely. Love that. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so this year it's a really weird situation, actually. Like Coach Fickle's here. He's going to coach the bowl game. Jim Leonard is sticking around for the bowl game. There's a bunch of new coaches coming and going. Uh, for you specifically, how are you preparing for the bowl game this year as opposed to last year? Yeah, so, you know, this year, um, you know, obviously the schedule uh, is different. Um, you know, in the past it's been more, you know, more of like uh, time for bowl preps normally used to be like developmental time for younger guys and practicing, you know, uh, five, six days a week. Um, you know, these past two weeks has kind of just been uh, just getting back to it, everybody. So we practice, uh, you know, two days a week and then lifting three days a week. And that's for everybody. Um, and then gradually working, I think next week, getting into, you know, actual game prep for Oklahoma state. So, you know, it's, it's been uh, a lot different in the past as of like the workload and, um, you know, a little like difference in between like what kind of practices we're doing and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I feel like, you know, the mindset's still the same as it has been, you know, going to the bowl game to win the game. So, um, nothing like that has changed. Cool. Absolutely. That's a great attitude to have in football and in life. I'll just say that. So uh, this next one is a three-parter. So I'm just going to give you the first part and then we'll continue on after that. As a player, do you see what fans say on social media? Uh, no, not really. I mean, um, as you know, as I first got here, you know, that's kind of the advice from upperclassmen is, you know, when things are going your way, you know, on social media, people are going to, you know, be high on you and be talking good about you. But the minute anything goes bad, um, you know, social media is not going to be the best for you, for your mind. And, you know, so, uh, no, I really don't see, you know, a whole lot that goes on social media or what they're saying about you. Um, you know, obviously, sometimes you'll see stuff here or there on people, but um, I don't really try to get into that too much because I know it's not going to be probably very good for you. All right. Well, screw the second part then. And also I'm going to say <laughs> that I'm very proud of you for that answer. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I have a, I have a 10 year old stepson. I'm just going to ad lib here real quick. And I try to teach him about, you know, staying grounded, even when mm -hmm. you're doing good. And that's some, I'm going to show him this clip of, of a player saying something like this. So mm -hmm, he, he yeah. can learn from that as well. Um, I just want to say, would it affect your decision if you were a recruit and you saw some of the things that fans are saying about current players? Uh, you know, as a recruit, I think that, you know, I feel like you don't really see any of that. That's the thing, like on social media. And I think that, you know, if you're, you know, 17, 16, 17, 18 years old and you're seeing stuff like that, I think that could, you know, kind of change. But, um, you know. As a recruit, my biggest advice would be, you know, like stay away, stay away from it because, you know, at the, when you're in high school, you're going to be seeing like a lot of, you know, 
uh, high praise and stuff like that. But, you know, the minute you get to college and you don't see stuff like that, um, you know, it's going to change your mindset. So I feel like, you know, the best thing w- would be to just stay away. Um, I think it can, you know, can influence a decision because, you know, it's, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds. So, um, yeah. It's it's sad that that's the world that we live in. And mm-hmm. this is something that Jake and I are hopefully going to be able to to try to affect some change in. But it's it's sad seeing you know, players from, from fan bases that we're parts of and seeing people who we would consider peers as part of the fan base, um, you know, like tearing down the the teams that they're here to support. And, you know, it's, it brings me back always to like a Vince Lombardi quote where he's, um, you know, it's easy to support when the team is winning, but your true character shows when the teams are losing. And it really, really shows. And I don't think it's shown – more so in anything Wisconsin sports related than when it comes to Graham Mertz. And it was really sad. And honestly, it it made me pretty angry seeing that during, it was during the Iowa game that Graham Mertz reached 5,000 career yards at Wisconsin. And there was 70 comments on Twitter and all of them were negative. And it's, it's terrible to see that it happens that way. But, you know, like as a teammate, does that stuff affect you? Does it affect the locker room? Um, you know, when there's so much negativity, you know, not necessarily like you, you guys don't see it on social media cause you try to stay away from it. But um, I mean, when it's, when it's pretty constant and it's on the actual Badgers football page, it's, that's hard to avoid, especially for fans like Jake and I. Yeah. Um, you know, I really don't think that the negativity really affects, you know, teammates interaction. Um you know, I feel like, you know, everyone in the locker room, you know, we have like we have a brotherhood with each other and, you know, everyone in the locker room is your brother. So, I mean, you're not going to you're not going to really um, you're not, not going to really put anyone down or, or, you know, put negativity or weirdness towards a situation because of, you know, what's online. Um, at the end of the day, you know, um, Graham's teammate and, you know, he was a brother of mine. So, you know, um, love the dude. Uh, never gonna, you know, shame him or anything for, for, you know, going out there and trying, um, you know, at the end of the day kind of comes down to like the, the people that's, you know, posting or bringing negativity, you know, probably three fourths of them have never, you know, been in a situation, um, you know, of playing mm-hmm. a division one sport or anything like that. So to really listen to that would be kind of just kind of nonsense. And, you know, it does not affect uh, a locker room or relationships with guys or anything like that. That's that's an awesome answer. That's perfect, perfect answer. That's great to hear. Um, on on the part of Wisco Fanatics, on part of Tyler and I, we just we're so proud of Graham uh, for going out there and being a warrior every week, taking hits, um, continuing to work. Um, you know, you you say it doesn't affect the locker room, but to us, we're we we don't we don't we don't want that kind of stuff, right? We we just want to get all that negativity out of there. We just want support, positivity. And we don't we don't want anybody to have to deal with that because mental health is an important thing to us and it should be important to everybody. Um, the next next thing that we're going to talk about actually is about mental health. So how do you protect slash take care of your mental health? Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing is just um, staying positive, um, you know, realizing that everything you do, you know, you can't be perfect in that, you know, it's going to be growth over time. So, you know, as long as you're making progress for me, 
I feel like um, mentally, you know, that's kind of like a, like a checkup for me that I'm, you know, making growth and to never like dwell on anything or get too down on anything. Um, you know, our university has a lot of services. If, you know, guys are struggling and need, need help uh, for mental health. Um, you know, we, we even have like a, a mindfulness coach that will do, you know, practices um, in the weight room and incorporate that in, you know, the training. And I think, you know, that, uh, that plays a role in, you know, developing your uh, mental and keeping your mental health um, good. So, you know, our university has a lot of resources and then, you know, just staying positive and uh, realizing, you know, every experience is going to happen different and just the way that you see and you grow. That's awesome. I, that's, that's a really good answer. I really like the, the growth over time. That's such a big thing. It's seeing, you know, we live in such a instant gratification world. So having the mindset of trying to grow over time and realizing that, you know, you're not going to lose 20 pounds in a day when that's mm-hmm. your new year's resolution, it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. So the, the growth over time is, is a really good, that's a, a great example and a great answer. Um, so we knew this was probably, this was the other mm-hmm. question that it came to. It was going to be between Luke Fickle and Jim Leonard. So, you know, with Jim Leonard, you know, what does Jim Leonard mean to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, from watching him when I was young to, you know, being fortunate enough to um, play under him as my defensive coordinator and then head coach, you know, uh, he's just a great guy, uh, great role model, uh, tremendous, you know, football mind, um, you know, just uh, super good coach. Uh, it means a lot to me, uh, really has helped me develop my game. Um, so, you know, Coach Leonard, you know, has uh, had a great impact on my on my playing career and um, developed me from, you know, a freshman to where I am now. That's awesome. Um, what would be your, what would be your ideal position for Jim Leonard? We had like one report where it was like, Jim Leonard's coming back. And then it was like two days later, it was like, actually he's only coming back for the bowl game. And then he's departing and that's the last we've heard. So what would be your ideal position for Jim Leonard? Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's a tough situation, tough situation for him. Uh, you know, you know, felt really bad for him at, and uh, still do. But uh, I feel like, you know, his ideal situation, uh, he has to do what's best for him. You know, he, he has a family, played in the NFL for a long time, coached for a long time, uh, has, you know, three kids. So I feel like, you know, uh, he's got to do what's best for him and what's best for his family. Yeah, I actually Very said it in the last couple of weeks that I could see him potentially taking a year off and, and just mm-hmm. having a year of, of family time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're on we're on the same page with that. I think that's what would be best for Jim. So I said a random question pop in my head because I'm very interested now. If it's not Camp Randall, because you can't say that, because I know that would be your answer. What yeah. is your favorite Big Ten stadium to play in? Favorite Big Ten stadium to play in? I would go with uh, Nebraska. Nebraska, really? Yeah, yeah. I would say really? Nebraska. Interesting. Uh, yeah, definitely the loudest stadium and most devoted fan base. You know, right right when you get on the field before the game, it's fully hmm. packed and ready to go. What? Yep. Yeah. I am shook. Yeah. I am shook right now. I did not expect that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, he's gonna say Michigan or Ohio State. Yeah. I w- wow. Okay, that's a great yeah. answer, man. Uh, thank you for that. I was not <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll say I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking maybe he was gonna say Iowa because they because they waved to the Children's Hospital. Yeah. I thought maybe that was yeah. gonna be the answer. I'd say I, yeah, <laughs> Iowa close second, but yeah, one Nebraska. Okay, now let me ask you this: Who's your least favorite Big Ten team? Least favorite Big Ten team, Minnesota. Oh, easy. Oh, I love you so much right now. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike, our Badger guy, he's a guy that joins us. Um, he's pretty in tune with the Badgers too. Um, he did not expect the Nebraska answer. Yeah. <laughs> that was so have you gotten a chance to meet with um with Mike Trussell and and kind of get an idea of what the defensive coordinator and some of the, the coaching rooms on the defense are gonna look like? Uh, I have not yet. No, he's been on uh, the recruit uh, on the road recruiting, so I uh, have not been able to. I'm sure will right after uh, the bowl game when we get back. All right, you brought it up. Now I gotta ask, what is going on? All of a sudden, we're a quarterback hotbed, man. Have you? you I know you've seen this on social media, man. We got all these quarterbacks <laughs> coming to visit. Um, actually, we have Cole LaCrue uh, joining us next week, another future Badger quarterback. But I want to get your opinion on us becoming just an offensive powerhouse with with the stifling defense. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, really know what's going 100% for the recruits visiting and stuff like that for quarterback. But, I mean, um, I think that, you know, it's going to be definitely big change. And, um, you know, it's not going to look like, you know, the typical, I guess, Wisconsin offense that – most people are used to. So I think, you know, I'm excited to see and kind of, uh, you know, going into it, it'll be very interesting to see, but uh, definitely. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Okay. Last one. When favorite badger of all time. Favorite badger of all time. Favorite badger of all time. That's, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, probably go with JJ Watt. I knew it. <laughs> That's what my guess was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Great answer. You yeah. can't go wrong with that one. No. <laughs> I mean, he's one number off. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when does spring practice start? Uh, April, normally, I think. April. So, yeah. for you specifically, while we have you here, um, for you specifically, you know, your game, I, like Jake was saying when we started the show, it it stood out to me that as weeks went on that you were improving and improving and improving, um, getting in the backfield, containing some running quarterbacks, which was, was, was exciting to see, even if you weren't making the tackle, but forcing the quarterback to take uh, a wider angle to run and to not be able to escape the pocket, things like that. What specifically are you going to be working on for the bowl game and for next season? Yeah, for the bowl game, uh, you know, definitely just finding in on, you know, little details, if it's hand placement and stuff like that. Biggest thing for bowl game, too, is, mm-hmm. you know, staying in football shape. You know, it's a long it's a long gap of time between, you know, last game and the bowl game. So definitely staying in shape, running and working out, stuff like that. But then, you know, uh, detailing in on little details uh, within the game during practices that we have. And um, yeah, that's the biggest thing definitely is uh, cardio wise though. Hmm. Cool. All right. I'm all out of random questions, man. (laughs) (laughs) I asked them all before the show. The other other random question that I was thinking about asking is, you know, obviously football is, is your main thing outside of school being a student athlete. What do you do for fun outside of school and football? 
Yeah. Um, you know, with the little bit of time that we have, if, you know, if it's, you know, a uh, weekend or, you know, after a game, definitely like hanging out with the guys, if it's, you know, going, going out or getting a bite to eat or something like that. So, uh, it's definitely, you know, hanging out with the guys and, um, you know, kind of, you know, getting a little bo- team bonding activities together. Just guys being dudes. So now I got to ask. I love it. <laughs> now I got to ask. Who are you like closest with on the team? Who am I closest with on the team? Uh, yeah. clo- I'm yeah. close with, I mean, everybody, but if, if I had to, you know, give you a, a small group, um, I'd go with uh, J- Joe Tittman, uh, Hayden Rucci, uh, Clay Cundiff, um, uh, Jack Eschenbach. So, uh, I mean, the list goes on. So that, that's the, that's the giant group of guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's how it is. Anything, anytime you know you're you're out, it's you know going to be a big group of football players walking around. <laughs> Just gigantic human beings walking up and down Madison. Gotta yeah. love it. <laughs> um. Yeah, just uh, make sure you give uh, Ingjog Meta a uh, shout-out from me. Tell him he's my favorite player on defense this year. Okay, will do, yeah. Really appreciate that. Seriously, he's been my boy all year. <laughs> okay, like, add a boy, Ingjog. Let's go, baby. Yeah, his locker's right next to mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm good of, buddies. Of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, CJ, you've been my guy this year, um, and I appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us. It's It means a lot to us, and we started this yeah. show – about two years ago, so being in a position now where we have players that we watch on Saturday and we get to talk to them, you know, actually person to person and kind of get to know them a little bit and, and see some behind the scenes of, of what the players are up to is is really cool. So we really appreciate you taking the time to to sit down with us and talk for a little bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you guys for, for having me on. Yeah, man. Hey, on Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. And you're you're welcome anytime. We would we would pre- love to have you back anytime. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. All right, take care. Have a good All right. night. All right. He's gonna give my boy and Jack Meta a shout out. Oh, I should have told him. Uh, <laughs> I messed up on that. I was a little nervous. I was my face was getting hot. I won't lie. <laughs> but here we go. We're gonna talk a little warm in here. Bro, I was really not expecting Nebraska as the answer. That was that was that surprised me. That yeah, because I was about to throw a dig, but I was like, mm, we're above that, man. I was about to throw a dig at Nebraska with their sellouts, but I'll leave it alone. Yes, that means all it's sold. Doesn't mean there's people in all the seats. I get it. <laughs> all right, so. Real quick, before we jump into Badger basketball, actually, I want to throw out one really quick thing. <clears throat> and I just want to throw out a couple points on the trade that the Brewers made mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. William Contreras on Monday. I just want to throw out a couple things, a couple thoughts from that really quick. Um, one, obviously, being, holy shit, Matt Arnold has joined the wizardry. That is Wisconsin uh, general managership. <laughs> Uh, running David Stearns and Russ Ball and um, and John Horst and their wizardry trading a Stary Ruiz, like literally just a fast dude, for an All Star starting All Star catcher who is going to be he's going to be 25 years old on Christmas Eve. 
who started the All-Star game last year and is under team control until 2027 and getting a reliever thrown in who had a 335 ERA last year, which is pretty decent. Actually, it would have been fifth bat on the Brewers in the Brewers' bullpen last year. So that's pretty good. And then getting a young prospect, another 24-year-old, that can throw 100 miles an hour. It's a good trade for the for the Brewers. And all they had to give up was a Stereo Ruiz. And you know what that means, don't you? No, you tell me. It means we are one step closer to Sal Frelick being on the Major League roster. Because <laughs> Stereo Ruiz was already on the 40-man roster. So that kind of was a, a barrier of entry for, for Sal Frelick. And now there is one fewer player in front of Sal Frelick to get onto the Major League roster this year. So I'm excited for that. But what I want to say is exactly. Bill, yeah, Bill's got it. Super stoked about the Contreras trade. We gave up our number eight prospect for those arms and an all-star catcher. Bill loves it. And the thing is, too, it's like we're trading from a position of great depth. Obviously, there's yeah. Mitchell and Weimer and Frelick and Churio, and then still having Christian Yelich and Tyrone Taylor on the roster, getting Jesse Winker in the Colton Wong trade, and signing Bryce Perkins to a, a one-year deal. There's tons of options in the outfield here, so the Brewers don't have to bring all the guys up at once, even though I would like to see it just because I think it would be fun. But it's it's not the best um, – strategy when you're when you're thinking about it because if you bring them all up then all of their service time starts at the same time whereas mm-hmm. if you can kind of stagger them a little bit you can kind of spread out the service time a little bit um maybe maybe we do see jackson Churio for the last month of the season for september call-ups you know maybe you know this i don't want to put this out there but injuries do happen and you know there's still two and a half months until pitchers and catchers report. So there's easily possibility existing of another trade happening from the Brewers outfield, whether it be Tyron Taylor or Jesse Winker getting flipped, something like that. Um, But the last thing I want to say on this is the Brewers getting a catcher who is young, inexpensive and under team control for a long time by upgrading a position of need like that without having to spend money on it is huge. I seriously, I can't emphasize this might actually be my favorite part of this trade is that it allows the Brewers to make upgrades at other positions or extensions would be interesting. Uh, But it allows them to spend money at other positions, whether that be third base or first base, maybe, or on the bullpen still or extensions, which would be, you know, ideal. I mean, go ahead. I see you're looking at Bill's comment. I get it. Yeah. Read it out. Um, He says, too many people still trying to tie this trade into the hater trade last year doesn't make sense to me. And I understand that mindset that you're coming with. But even if you do, we're trading a guy in Josh Hader who's very, very good for us. Not going to say anything bad. And we had a guy that could fill in that role. And we were able to flip that into an all star catcher. Like Tyler said a million times, under team control. He's, he's a st- all-star starter. The guy can rake. I would be really interested to see what the all the pitchers on the staff felt about this because that that is the biggest tell of how they would feel about, you know, because the catcher and pitcher, they got to be like best friends. They got to be like right here all day, you right. know. So 
Um, I'd be really interested to see how one of them felt about this trade. But even if you do tie it into the hater trade, we just got a 24-year-old all-star catcher. Come on, man. I'm excited about that. And we still and we have got, Devin Williams. We got Wilson Contreras' little brother, too. So a dude that hates the Brewers now has his brother on the team. <laughs> and now we have we have Willie and Willie, so it's Will Walkie, baby. I'm calling it Will Walkie this year. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> um, Bill said he's not real popular on some of the other pages. So, Bill, the reason I think people try to tie it into the hater trade while they're not saying that it was like, you know, a, a five-team deal that the Brewers added in the Padres and, you know, this becomes part of the trade, it's not the same, you know, it's not the same deal, obviously. This is a separate transaction, but it's it's tied into the trade tree, which actually this is super insane that this is how this goes, but you can trace this trade back to J.J. Hardy. So, because the Brewers traded J.J. Hardy, and they got Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires for him, and then traded Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires to the Astros, and they got Josh Hader, Adrian Hauser, uh, Brett Phillips, and Domingo Santana, and then trading Josh Hader, netted them as Terry Ruiz, and now trading as Terry Ruiz and Wilson Contreras. So, you can trace this tree all the way back to J.J. Hardy. That's how long these trades have gone on. So that's just the tree. It's not, you know, it's not the same transaction, obviously, but it's it, it stems from the same branch on a tree that goes all the way back to the tree trunk that is J.J. Hardy, who is now up for Hall of Fame bidding, voting. What? That's, that's how long J.J. Hardy's been retired. And we're still feeling the ripple effects of that trade. Bro, I'm getting gray hairs in my head. That's how long he's been <laughs> retired. My God. Jeez. He's been, yeah, he's been retired long enough to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. That's wild to me. Holy so shit. So that's that's that. Um, like I said, to me, I really think the opportunity to upgrade at other positions or extensions without having to pay for a, a high level catcher like Christian Vasquez, mm-hmm. I know was a target for a lot of Brewers fans. He got signed by the Twins for three years, 30 million. Mm-hmm. So the Brewers say they would have signed Christian Vasquez, that's $10 million less per season for the next three years that they can spend elsewhere. So we're just still just stocking more money that we can throw at Willie Adamas, Corbin Burns, and Brandon Woodruff. So to me, this deal, that would be nice, you know, but we're a third of the way into the off season and fans are already like, the Brewers aren't doing anything. And now they're doing so. So this, this catcher trade that we get now, with this guy being under team control for so long, it opens the door farther than it already has been opened by trading Hader, Renfro, and Wong. It just opens that door even farther of the opportunity to keep all three of those guys. That's the biggest part I'm on of this board for me. Yeah, we need to – and obviously I want to keep Willie Adams too, but Corbin Burns needs to be the first one. And I see everybody talking about Willie Adams. It's like – why is nobody complaining that we haven't re-signed Corbin Burns? Like, that's the first guy I would lock up. Because right everybody now. thinks we're trading Corbin Burns. No, we're not trading Corbin Burns. We're going to lock him up and everybody can shut no. the hell up. <laughs> yes, that would be preferred. Uh, not an our right. team. He, it, ready not. to talk about I am. I uh, it was for like the month before he was traded. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, 
forgot about that. Yeah, it was he had a bad month before he was traded. He had a bad month after he was traded, and then San Diego made a little that, bit of a run. But it was all that stuff with his kid right after his his kid was born. I remember that. Yeah, and he, you know, he was like there, and then he was gone. And yeah, Wish that's him the outside the of sports. Yeah. All right. Real talk, real quick. I'm gonna switch back to this for a second. There is nothing wrong with wishing the best for players who leave your team to go to another team. There's nothing wrong with wishing them well. I mean, even the two main examples that I'm thinking of right now are Josh Hader and Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers scored a touchdown this weekend. Good for him. I hope it happens again. And I hope it happens all the time, except for if he plays against us. Same with Josh Hader. Like, if he's going to go succeed in San Diego, good for him. I hope he sucks when he plays the Brewers. That's it. There's there's nothing really more that needs to be said in that you know in that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, closing all the Dodgers is always good because you know it's always fuck LA. But you know, <laughs> seeing seeing so much hate for guys who didn't succeed here but succeed elsewhere is such a weird concept to me. Because, you know, Jake and I are obviously on this train that you know, athletes are people. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're people, regardless of what team they play for. So, you know, I still – I I cannot wrap my head around how this guy is still making headlines. But to see that somebody wrote an article saying that Amari Rogers' success with the Texans this past weekend – <sighs> means that Aaron Rodgers needs to go because it's he's you know unwilling to play guys. It, don't don't open the can of worms because I'm I'm going I, in now. It's already cracked. <laughs> I broke the seal. So listen, I said on Friday night that Amari Rodgers was going to have a chance to get some burn. Did I not? Because yeah. Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins were out. I said mm-hmm. that. I know I did. I, I was there. I was there too. And then he goes and gets a burn. He gets like five catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, Amari Rodgers is back. The Packers suck or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, James, we we had him on. He was on for the first 20 minutes of the show. Um, he has a busy schedule, man. So. Yeah, you'll be yeah. able to see it again. Um, all right, give me your thoughts on it because I know you are you got something brewing. Oh, God. So I was in a gigantic argument with some freaking douchebags. Um, the podcast is called uh, Packers Without Borders oh, or whatever. Man. Just some B-O-A-R-D-R-S. Borders. Yeah, they spelled it wrong. So if you, you try to look it up, they spelled it wrong. Um, uh, yeah, imagine me telling you that you spelled something wrong. Yeek. Um, <laughs> but here we are, right? I'm Jake's editor, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, somebody was trying to ask a question. They said, how come players like Amari Rogers leave the Packers all the time? This is my annoying girl voice. How come players like Amari Rogers leave the Packers all the time and then they succeed? I'm like, that is a dumb question. Why are we even going there? Like, I could tell that your life is shit by the questions you ask because you're looking at the past. Who gives a fuck? He's not on our team anymore. And do I want him to do well? Absolutely. I want him to succeed because he fought very hard to get into the NFL. That was his dream. And he succeeded yeah. with that dream. He went through injuries. You know, he, yeah. he went through film sessions. He did it all, right? He put the work in to get there. So, yes, of course, I want him yeah. to win. But the fact that he's not yeah. on my team anymore, I don't give a shit. 
I really don't. And I said that it, I told her, I said, that, that question is stupid. Like, That's a stupid question. So then apparently me saying the question is stupid was attacking her because she's a woman talking about football. I don't know what that is. It could have been a gigantic purple whale asking that question. And I would have said that was a dumb fucking question. Like straight up. I just don't understand why that question needs to be asked. It doesn't need to be asked. He's not on our team. It's just like the Devontae well, stuff. And it's not Were like not it's an wo- exclusive thing. Right. It's not an exclusive thing where players leave the Packers and they succeed. I do agree with Matt that he that Amari was a bit misused and like would have liked to see him more as a receiver. I, I totally agree with that. I said that on some Friday shows um, before Samari Toure even started catching on huh. a little bit to see a little bit more of Amari Rogers. So I like I agree with that. Uh, and you know, saying that he could have been worse than Sammy Watkins, I will agree specifically on like route running, you know, the, the quote unquote offensive part of offense where you're actually trying to move the ball um, with the receivers. But when you have Sammy Watkins, he is, I think he was the number one uh, run blocking wide receiver last year. Yeah, And in my mind, that's still the, the reason that he was brought in. Exactly. So let me, let me finish this real quick. I'm just going to real quick. So I asked a question because everybody's attacking me, right, for 45 minutes. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Come on. I need 10, 12, 17 of you. I don't give a shit. I'm going to make all y'all look stupid. So then I proposed a question. Who in the wide receiver room are you getting rid of to keep Amari on this roster? And somebody said Sammy Watkins. So my response was the, the front office already had to answer that question. And they chose to keep Sammy Watkins, a guy who, by the way, had two gigantic blocks. Two gigantic blocks for touchdowns yeah. against the Chicago Bears. I said, you're going you're gonna to pick Amari over that? They're like, oh, you don't think Amari can run block as good as Sammy? Clearly fucking not. And the professionals didn't think so oh, either. So why the fuck yeah. are we worried about Amari? And honestly, like the tape shows that. The stats exactly. show that. And obviously the transactions show that. Um, yeah, Matt, they got they got blocked by us. And, you know, we're not here trying to, like, discredit other people's content. Because, you know, their content might be good, but their interactions with people that are talking with them is not good. Like, Jake and I'll call out negativity when we see it, but, you know, we're not going to see somebody, you know, say something to somebody else and then not try to at least, you know, find some common ground because we're all still Packers fans. We're not going to immediately just start attacking somebody personally because of an interaction that we had. And and because I said her question was stupid, they brought my mom into the conversation. I'm like, okay, that that's real. That's real mature. By the way, I'm just gonna show this up here, Matt. I'm not saying anything bad. Um, Amari was supposed to be Kyle's replacement, but Rogers brought Cobb in. I don't want to see nothing anymore ever again about Amari being Randall Cobb. Because if you guys remember, Randall, young Randall Cobb was an elite route runner. He was an elite slot receiver. The man was a monster before all the injuries piled up, and then he got shipped off to Dallas and the Texans, and he came back, and he's still been an impact player for us this season. But Amari is nowhere, nowhere near the stratosphere of a young Randall Cobb. That needs to stop right now. Yeah, that's what he was supposed to be coming out of the draft, so I get why Matt said that. I know, I know, I know. And I'm not going at you. Yeah, I understand why he's saying it. Um, Bill is correct. All right. Uh, Micah Hyde and Devontae Adams are the only two that I can really think of that left the Packers and then had a career. So, I mean, 
you you can go down the damn list. Yeah, man, that was the hope. That was you know his quote unquote his draft comparison. Yeah, we I know what you're saying. Um, I know what you're saying. But yeah. So you can go down the list: Matt Flynn, Greg Jennings, Javon Walker, um, James Jones, like Jordy Nelson, even. Dude, like Jordy, just dude. Eddie Lacy. You can dude, go James down Jones the left. damn list. James Jones left, came back in a hoodie, and then he was good again. <laughs> like he left, came back in a hoodie, and he was good again. You're gonna tell me that that doesn't that doesn't show you that players just don't leave the Packers? You know what I mean? Like become Greg good. Jennings was all right for like a year, and then he just completely fell off the face of the earth. And then to make himself, you know, relevant, he started talking shit about a guy who's winning MVPs. Yeah. Fuck you. What Greg about Jennings. Josh? I hate. I hate Whatever that he's still rising to- Packers coattails. Yeah. Whatever happened to, to Josh Sitton? Shit, I don't know. That dude was an all-pro when he was with the Packers. True that. He got cut because some character stuff, but he signed with the Bears, and then nothing. Yeah. Yeah, where careers uh, go to die. Maybe, maybe Bambulaga, if he could have stayed healthy. Um, You know, it's... Uh, Corey Lindsley, I would say, has been good. But, um, yeah, Matt, I mean, keeping Cobb would have been great, but, I mean, we kind of got into a point almost where we had to choose between Cobb and, um, you know, signing guys like Adrian Amos, for example, um, guys that were more important. Like, not to say that Cobb wasn't important, but it, it becomes a business at some point, and you kind of have yeah. to make those tough business decisions. Um, but... You know he's back and he's helping on third downs, which is was which is good. Um, oh, yeah. And Isaac Isaac said it that Packers fans won't be excited by Christian Watson, but they'll go and hinge on Amari Rogers. Yeah, I don't know if you can sum up the Packers fan base better than that. That they'll <sighs> continue to doubt the players on their team, but a guy has one good game, good-ish game, with another team, and it's oh my god, why are guys good when they're not on the Packers anymore? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know. And this is why we have apology oh, forms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and James, I agree. As soon as it gets to somebody being personal with stuff, um, that's how I know the conversation's over. And I honestly, mm. I've gotten to the point where even, even just regular trolling, like, I don't even waste my time with that anymore. Like I'm out here trying to have like legit discussions and like, if you can actually give credit to your opponents, I will respect that. You know, like the Packers, the Packers beat the bears um, the week before the Packers lost to the Eagles. So for the Packers to give credit to say Jalen hurts for an Eagles fan to come and say, Oh yeah, the Packers suck or Vikings fans to come and say the Packers suck after losing to the Eagles. I would respect it so much more if somebody said yeah they lost but christian watson is absolutely balling because that's the kind of stuff that jake and i are trying to get at is that there is things to be excited about and things to enjoy even if there are not you know the wins and losses aren't going the way we want them to there are still ways to enjoy football season and i'm excited that we get to have mike spofford on the show the packers.com writer on friday to give more of this perspective from somebody who literally works for the team because apparently us saying it isn't enough. Uh, it is for some people like Matt and Bill and Simon and Isaac. Like we have, we have some really devoted fans, which we 
like honestly we cannot appreciate more like how devoted some of our fans are of our show and it's awesome everybody except isaac fuck that guy you know <laughs> it's it's awesome and especially it's especially awesome when we post something one person comments something negative and then the fans of our show and our page come in and they bring up that that person's being negative and that there's positive takeaways and stuff like i sincerely i cannot express to you how good that makes me feel it's it's like a proud dad moment but for the fan base of a podcast <laughs> is how it feels. So, you know, Bill, Matt, um, Taylor, who is, who watches our show all the time, Tim, who's been watching our show, like since it started, um, you know, people that have stuck around with us and people that are coming to us and saying how much we appreciate stuff. Um, like I know Andy Heyman is a guy who, who has said multiple times, like, I appreciate you guys for sticking to your principles. So we see that. I don't know if he watches the live show every week, but we see his comments. Um, so Isaac, way the fan from Greece, we've seen that guy pop up like three or four times. It's not always, but when he pops up, he's here, and we still don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> it's 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 all the Greek letters, and I don't know I don't know Greek letters. So we've asked him a couple times, like, hey, how do you say your name? So we can you know we can send, so we can shout you out, but um, we haven't had the opportunity to talk to him about that yet. But um, there's there's definitely going to be some major changes to come with the offseason with the Packers. Um, the salary cap does go up, so there is opportunity there, and there's obviously always going to be restructures, and there will be some cap cuts and stuff. But, um, Bill, we're actually going to do a show in the offseason. Um, we're going to do four moves to fix the Packers. So Jake, myself, Simon, and Bryant, and we're maybe looking at a guest to join us for that show as well. Um, four moves to quote unquote for 2023 so we're gonna do that um but bill we appreciate it informed opinions that's that's what we're here to provide in addition to you know um the positive and optimistic look um, is also quality analysis so that's that's what we're here to do so you ready to do it jake yeah sorry i had to take uh i had to take a phone call real quick sorry about that <laughs> Bill said he gets to do research. <laughs> hey, if you want to put your opinions out there, like you can totally even you can comment on the show along with us when we do that. It's probably going to be a maybe like a February or March thing, like right before we get into draft prep, because um, that's always a huge thing. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. So if you def hey, if you want to um, do some research along with us, we're actually going to have some questions too uh, for Mike Spofford this week that we want people to interact with as well. So. Um, we appreciate the interaction. That's why we do the show live. So Isaac's asking us a buck question when the I have a good answer. The banner clearly says Badger basketball. So Isaac, put that question what? in your pocket and ask it again in 20 minutes. Why do you think I said fuck that guy, man? I'm just guy kidding. never stays on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Respect the order of the show, Isaac. All right, I'm just kidding. All right, we can we can talk about it real quick. Isaac asked um when Bengals is activated who do you think it's their minutes cut um the the current outlook on joe Ingles is that he is with the g league uh wisconsin herd he's getting in five on five practice and now it seems almost that it's more <laughs> matt said somebody will <laughs> it's more about his conditioning than it is about his knee injury so that's basically where we were with chris middleton at the beginning of november 
And then towards the end of November, we got him back. So <laughs> Simon said we control the show now. That's a stretch, you're Simon. Fired. You're fired. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Simon gets a little bit of admin privileges, and then he thinks he controls the show. <laughs> um, Joe Ingles, I think the earliest estimate we're looking at is maybe the Christmas Day game against Boston. That would be the perfect time to get Joe Ingles on the Jingles Day. Uh, to Joe Ingles uh, for Christmas as our as Christmas present from the Bucks would be awesome. If I had to say somebody that gets their minutes cut, it's probably a mixture, honestly. Um, it's probably a little bit of Pat Connaughton, a little bit of George Hill, a little bit of Grayson Allen, a little bit of Javon Carter, maybe a little bit of Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis. Not a lot, but maybe just a little bit. Um, and it's going to be, you know, not necessarily some one person is going to go from playing 25 minutes a game to 10. Um, and we've already seen it as it's annoying how often it's, it's happening. <sighs> Seeing people complaining about Marjan Bochamp not playing enough as if we didn't just get two locked and loaded veteran wings back who literally helped us win our championship. And people are crying that the rookie is not playing over them. All right. All right. Let me add them. Do they not understand that we have, like, the stupidest, most flexible roster in the league? And I'm not even, like, trying to talk stupid, but, like, the the lineup flexibility on the Milwaukee Bucks is insane. Um, got to work Christmas party and I enjoy the show. All right, Simon, be ready on Friday, buddy. We have a big show. Um, also, be safe. Uh, I would say my answer would be I would split it between Pat Conson and Javon Carter. It was like strictly looking at it. And I had to an answer like right now. I would say it's going to be between those two guys. Take a little bit here. Take a little bit there. Like Tyler said, um, I think Bud is going to play it like this, though. He's going to play hot hand and he's going to say, all right, I got this lineup. I got this lineup. I got this lineup. Um, this lineup matches up well against this team. That's who's going to play tonight. That's what I think he's really going to do. I don't think anybody's necessarily going Matt, to lose minutes on a per night basis. Right. Matt, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> nobody. Uh, nobody wants to see Jordan Moore getting more minutes than Marjan. He didn't last night. Um, and the other thing I want to throw out just while we're on this subject of Marjan is that he was sick for like two weeks and they reported that he lost like six pounds from being yeah, sick. I can't afford to lose six pounds. <laughs> He's the stick. Yeah. <laughs> so like between, you know, not only getting conditioning from not practicing for two weeks, being sick mm -hmm. for two weeks, and then having to like actually gain back like legit body mass, like mm -hmm. like people got to be a little patient. People got to remember we are twenty seven games into the NBA season. That is literally one third of the season. So yeah, yeah Matt said let him recover. Um, yeah, well we'll talk more about the Bucks after we get through the Badgers. Uh, we only have one Badger game to talk about. So mm -hmm. let's do the Badgers versus Iowa. This game that <coughs> it shouldn't have gone into overtime. But it did. So let's talk about the Badgers in Iowa. Oh, God. I, I just hate Iowa well, for just no reason. On the end of Guy. It's definitely guys complaining. Yeah. That was one. Um, Justin was actually over for the Badger game. Um, and we were, we were kind of talking about what he talked about, about people just come, just people just have to complain. It is what it is. Um, but this Badger game was exciting to watch. Had a lot of everything. Um, had the Tyler Wall show again. Uh, he finished with 21. Seven of his 21 were in overtime. Yes. I could not believe that he pulled up for three. 
and he cashed it. I and he like, hit it. He fucking cashed it too. What? That and we game got another was Tyler Wall Euro step too. He did another yeah. Euro step. We got another Tyler Wall Euro step and one. Um, to Matt's point, finally got ranked. Game. Jesus Christ, it took forever. Yeah, um, Hepburn looked okay. Stephen Crowell looked. Yeah, they always are. That's probably why I hate them, Bill. Um, Stephen Crowell looked impressive in this game. 12, 6, and 7. Seven assists for the big man. Um, Klesman I told you that game. happened. It happened against Marquette. I told you it happened. I told you. I told you. I told you. This is the second time now. I know. That's amazing. I told you so. Um, Klesman, um, Davis did his thing. Connor and Cijan, he looked good. This team has all the flexibility. I guess, you know, if I had to take a takeaway from this game, the three-point shooting wasn't great. We started out very poor. But then, you know, once we started – once we hit one, then we were kind of hitting them on a more regular basis. Um, but the one thing that I think I would like us to do more is get to the free-throw line. Um, only 11 free-throw attempts in this game. Six of 11. Got to make your free-throws too. But the toughness of this team, and I believe, you know, they get good shots. Just got to get guys to make shots, which it will happen as the season goes on. People get more comfortable in spots that they're in. So um, Iowa just would not go away. Uh, they had the lead for a long time in this game. Then when we finally took the lead out, you know, when we got to 60, it was 60, 55. I was like, oh shit, that's game. Right. Dude, listen, obviously this not game could not be a more perfect example of basketball as a game of runs. True that because this was, this was annoying. Iowa went on an eight Oh run right before the end of the first half. And then Chucky scored a bucket right at the buzzer. Um, so Iowa went on an eight Oh run at the end of the first half. Iowa also went on an 8-0 run at the end of the second half that tied the game at 60. However, Iowa was leading 48-42, to and the Badgers went on an 18-6 run, or 18-4 run, sorry, 18-4. So the Badgers went on an 18-4 run to take a 60-52 to lead, and then Iowa came back with another 8-0 run that sent the game into overtime. Basketball's a game of runs. There it is. Just laid right out for you. And then he now, almost they almost made the three at the end of overtime. Yeah, that would have been annoying too. <laughs> so I'm surprised you left out my man Carter Gilmore. That's your guy now. You must have, yeah, you must have just known. Anybody that's got the initial CG is just my guys, I guess, is how that's going. That's your now. guy now. You picked him, <laughs> so that's your guy now. Again, now we gotta get Carter Gilmore on the show so that I can have my guys on the show. I, I claimed Klesman early. So that's mine. God, I, I love Max Klesman. I claimed him early. <laughs> hey, who got Max Klesman's dad to like a tweet on Twitter? I mean, I have no this control guy. over that, but. <laughs> All right. So Carter Gilmore, another career high. Uh, now he's up to, or sorry, season high. Now he's up to eight points for his season high. But I got to say, watching Carter Gilmore in this game, he was playing aggressive, which I like. Because you know what it tells me when Carter Gilmore is being aggressive is that he's playing with confidence. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love seeing Carter Gilmore playing with confidence and being aggressive because I think that's going to be potentially a next step for him is to be like, you know, like, oh, I'm kind of that dude because he had four rebounds in this game. Three of them are offensive. He had three offensive rebounds. And those three offensive rebounds um, turned into four second chance points. I'll take that. Because two of them got on the same possession. So, mm -hmm. 
Um, so he turned three offensive rebounds into four second chance points. And he took a couple threes early in this game. Um, he missed them both. But he was in the first eight minutes. And I think Greg Gard probably said, hey, you know, threes aren't really there for you. So just get the ball in the paint. And then he started making layups and he was driving eight. He was four for five on shots inside the three-point line. Mm. So that's, I know. We're getting into that territory of Cuff Carter Gilmore really putting himself higher in the rotation and earning himself some more minutes, which is which is cool. Um, you brought up free throws. Badgers were six for 11. Iowa was 14 of 17. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lose a lot of games where you shoot 14 for 17 at the free throw line. No, you're not. And you're plus eight on the free throw line. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you brought up Stephen Crowell as well. Um, the Badgers were in their third overtime game of the season already. They're two and one in overtime now. Um, Stephen Crowell is getting a back down. So he's backing down, backing down right at the end of the shot clock. Um, Stephen Crowell actually gave credit to Jordan Davis because he didn't know that the shot clock was low until Jordan Davis yelled it out to him. So that's good. That's just good team basketball. Jordan Davis calling that out to Stephen Crowell. Lets the jump hook go with one second. Gets it done. Shit, not even Jordan one Davis. Second. Jordan Davis showing his value a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the situational awareness, and he had a pretty quiet game, but he hit a pretty clutch three-pointer in the overtime period as well. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give him credit for that. <clears throat> and the last thing I wanted to say on this game with the Badgers is you mentioned the thing that you want to see the Badgers do a little bit more is getting to the free throw line. I want to see the Badgers do less catch and look to pass. So what I want to see the Badgers do is I want the Badgers to catch the ball and look like they're ready to score. Whether it be catching the ball and doing a shot fake or doing a jab step, something that makes it look like they're ready to score and not just catching flat footed and standing up straight, looking like you're ready to make the next pass. That's the only thing that I can really throw out there of something that I'd like to see differently is I want Mm -hmm. guys when they catch the ball to look like they're a threat to score at any time. Our keys kind of play hand in hand. If you be more aggressive on offense, you might get more free throws. Sure. So that's that's what I wanted to say with that. I mean, you brought up the stats, but I got to throw out Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn had four steals each. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Four steals apiece for Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn. That is... Love to see it. Yeah, they they both had some massive ones at the end of the game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Chucky Hepburn got a steal and made two free throws. Tyler Wall got a steal and missed two free throws. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Next time, just make your free throws. Well, that would be nice. Easy as that. Yeah, just yeah. If you're yeah, if you're shooting free throws, just make them. Just do that. Yeah. All right. So the Badgers only have one game between today and next Wednesday, so we're only going to have one Badger game to talk about next week. That's why we don't have a power pair because we're picking a power pair from one game. So there's not really a, a, a slate of games. The Badgers play Lehigh tomorrow, and then they're off until next Friday. Uh, this is a home game. I have this one picked as a W. I have. I can only assume that you uh, have the same. <clears throat> w. All right. Got it. All right. Is there anything else you want to say on the Badgers? No. Let's talk about the best team in the NBA. 
Let's do that. Um, Isaac, hey, you got any questions you want to ask about the Bucks? Oh, you did that already. Okay. Yep. Thanks, Isaac. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Give me your power pair and underrated performer from the Bucks. Power pair. I had the same as last week because, you know, they're just really fucking good at basketball. First, I have Giannis Adetokounmpo. Um, 27 points, 11.5 rebounds, 5 assists. He shot 38 of 82 this week. That's a 46% clip. Um, he was 4 of 11 on threes. That's a 36% clip. That Honestly, if he shot 36% from three for the season, that would be fucking good. I won't lie. I would Oh, I would easily take that. I'd be happy if Bobby Portis was shooting 36% from three right now. Yeah, right now, yeah. Bobby will get there. You, 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 see, you see him turning it up a little bit. He's starting to get more touch. Um, Giannis was 29 of 43 from the free throw line. If he literally hits two more, he's at seventy plus seventy-two percent. If he leads at if he lives at seventy-two percent for the season, he is a goddamn problem, like he already is right now. Um, the fact Drew that he Holiday, can drop thirty while shooting nine of twenty-six and eleven of seventeen at the free throw line is insane. Yeah, t- that's a whole different conversation. But literally, what you just said. Now take that and ask yourself, how the fuck do you consider anybody else the best player in the league? Seriously. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, he didn't even make 10 field goals. <laughs> and he had two free throws taken away from him. <laughs> like, come on, man. Um, Drew Holiday, uh, 24.3 points per game, six rebounds, 6.7 assists. He obviously only played three games. He didn't play last night against the Warriors uh, with non-COVID-like illness. Um, he shot 27 of 56 on the week. That's 48%. He was 9 of 18 from downtown. That is 50%. And he was 10 of 11 from the free throw line. That is 91%. So, I mean, geez, Lovely. what more can you do? Um, I actually forgot to do an underrated performer, but if I had to pick somebody right off the top of my head, I'd pick George Hill. George Hill moved the ball well this week. He made the right plays, and he was playing good, solid defense. I don't have any stats on him, but George Hill would definitely be my guy. Um, in my notes, I, I have I reasons for that. I totally but... agree. Uh, yeah. George Hill is a great one. Um, Matt said he said it yesterday. If he has a good day, he scores 50-plus tomorrow. Ooh. Do they have Jaron Jackson back? I haven't paid attention. Oh, he meant, he meant yesterday. He meant if he has a good game, oh. he scores 50-plus against the oh, Warriors. Oh, shit. You know, the Warriors, they had no answer for Giannis, and he controlled the game even though he didn't shoot well on jump shots. So, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, it's – and Draymond Green's going to guard Giannis in the finals. Yeah, okay. He's too uh, worried about... Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. 
Noom.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All people in the, in the stands. To answer your question, Jaron Jackson Jr. is back. Okay. Um, well... <clears throat> doesn't matter okay now listen to this so i have Giannis. obviously i mean i don't know how you can not say Giannis. um we said this last week what are, what are we gonna do we just have Giannis in this segment every single week and then have two other power pair players and an underrated performer um did draymond fall out i don't think he did I was just about to look at the box score, actually, because I wanted to bring up something about Bobby Porter. And surprisingly, Draymond with Green. all the technical fouls, I don't think Draymond got one, He only one, had did two he? fouls. Draymond Green only had two fouls. Did, and he didn't get a tech yesterday. He was one of the few that listen, didn't get a tech. Listen, on the subject of Draymond Green, he also literally caught the ball a step above the free throw line and dribbled away from the basket. <laughs> oh, he did get well, a literally tech. dribbled farther away from the basket. Thank God the Bucks don't have a guy that does that. Oh, my yeah. God, that made me laugh so hard. Draymond Green was one of three last night. He had six rebounds, seven assists, and three turnovers and two fouls. And so only, he was way too little to double Giannis. And he wanted to travel. Nah, motherfucker, you just small. <laughs> oh, that was funny. All right. <clears throat> so aside from Giannis, the other one I want to put in there is Bobby Portis. Uh, or as I've been calling him, Bobby Bordis. The dude is a freak. Now, all right, you ready for this? I have it. I have it pulled up so that I can I can list it all off. Bobby Portis per thirty six minutes, offensively at least, is Kevin Garnett. He's literally Kevin Garnett per thirty six minutes, and I'm gonna call him Kevin Garnett light because he doesn't bring what Kevin Garnett did defensively. But listen to this. So this is per 36 minutes. Bobby Portis this season versus Kevin Garnett's career, 19 points to 18.6. So he averages 0.4 more points per 36 minutes than Kevin Garnett. Rebounds. Bill said Bobby was his underrated performer. That's I'm okay with that as well. Um, but I actually wanna I wanna go with George Hill, like Jake said, because uh, Jake made a really good point during the game last night that George Hill has been one of our most consistent players, mm-hmm. which I which I agree with. So back to Bobby Portis, 19 points to 18.6 rebounds. Kevin Garnett is known as a great rebounder. Over his career, per 36 minutes, he averaged 10.5 rebounds. Bobby Portis, per 36 minutes this season, is averaging 14. Yeah. A three and a half rebound advantage over Kevin Garnett's career per 36 minutes is Bobby Portis this season. Say it ain't so. 19 and 14 off the bench. He's not a top 100 player. Yeah, I'm that's dead. a. Yeah, that's a, I'm dead. I'm dead. 
He's almost 20 and 15, bro. How is he not top 100? And then, all right, so I'm also going to pull this up. Kevin Garnett assists to Bobby Portis, 3.9 to 2.9. So he's got an assist advantage there. Obviously, the steals and blocks favor Garnett. Uh, the free throw percentage is off by 1% in favor of Garnett. Two-point percentage, Bobby's is 8% higher. Three-point percentage, Bobby's is 3% higher. And field goal percentage is nearly identical. So Bobby Portis this season is basically Kevin Garnett with all the steals and blocks. Proof is in the stats. All right. Let's start with last Wednesday's game, Bucks and Kings. Jake, what did you see from that game? Well, going into this game, I knew this was going to be a ton of points. Um, the Kings play zero defense, but they play a lot of offense. Um, they're very fast placed. Um, DeMontis Sabonis um, is like the key to that. A lot of offense. And oh, yeah. Did you? I've shit. Michael Green was freaking made no impact in the game. Didn't even matter that he fouled out. I forgot about that. Um, it was a foul. But DeMontis Sabonis is a lot of offense and no defense. He plays zero defense. He tries. I'll give him credit for trying, but he just doesn't guard nobody. Um, but he's a great offense player, great passer, very skilled big man. Um, so the things that the two things I wanted to really point out this week was playmaking and bench production. So when you go over the numbers and you look at the field goal percentages, the rebounds, all that stuff, and you look at playmaking, the Bucks in this game had 34 assists. 34. And they only had seven turnovers. That is yes. Say it that again. Is 34 assists and seven turnovers. Oh, that is an elite yeah. assisted turnover ratio right there. Um, we had all five starters had at least three assists, and we had two players on the bench with at least three assists. Um, Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, Grayson, um, my underrated performer, George Hill, and Javon Carter all had at least three assists. Now, obviously, some had more, but if I had to grade the playmaking in this game and in, in terms of ball movement and player activity and energy, I would say this game was an A+. So when you go to bench production and you're going to see trends um, for, for both things, some negative, one negative, one positive. When you go to bench production, the bench gave us 19 points, 18 rebounds, and eight assists. Um, six players played off the bench. Um, if you count the two players that got one minute, that was uh, Thanasis and Green. So really only four players played, and they gave us 19, 18, and 8. So that was that was fantastic to see. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to the Bucks free throw shooting, 20 of 24. That is fantastic. So when you you add together the assisted turnover ratio and the free throw percentage, the Bucks scored 126 points. You're not losing a lot of games unless you play zero defense. Don't mind me over here chuckling at Bill's comment, saying that Sabonis is like a crossing guard on defense. Busy once in a while, but just stands there otherwise. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not good on defense. But with the ball in his oh. hand, man. Oh, Bill, that's awesome. That is awesome. Bill wins comment of the day. That shit was funny. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Busy every once in a while, but just stands there otherwise. I like his original spelling oh, of Sabonis. Awesome. That, that makes it even better. <laughs> Sarongs. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I know. Sometimes I forget the Kings exist too, James. All right, so for me, Giannis started this game off hot. Eight straight points. 
Uh, <clears throat> Chris Middleton passing well, like we know that he does. Uh, we know that he does. He's been beating the Chris as an underrated passer drum for feels like years now. Yeah. Now I want to bring up Pat Connaughton because he's not shooting very well. And, you know, we dealt with this with Chris a little bit. He had some off nice shooting. He's just coming back from a leg injury, especially for a calf injury for a basketball player. Like that's, that's a super important muscle. So I'm willing to give Pat a little bit of time on that. Uh, But he did get a tip out this game. I got a tip out for some second chance points and Javon Carter hit a three out of it. So there is still ways, you know, I've, you know, back on the Marjan thing is new Marjan could do more than Pat Connaughton's doing. Pat Connaughton still does things that are important. He actually played some pretty good defense last night too. If I, if I want to throw that out there Um, and just being active and athletic Pat Connaughton, he's, he's a dirty work guy. He's a dog. Pat Connaughton's a dog. He does what needs to be done. Now, first half, uh, Drew and Giannis both had 18 points and four assists in the first half. So just a little bit of a a weird thing there. Now, I was worried because I didn't think Giannis was going to extend his 30-point game streak when he picked up his fifth foul with eight minutes and 29 seconds left in the game. Mm -hmm. And then he still finished with 35 points. Uh, You brought up the assists and the turnovers and the ball movement in general. Two things here on the assists. 11 field goals made in the fourth quarter. How many assists do you think they had on those 11 field goals? 11. No, that's – that's you're getting greedy now. It was eight. <laughs> eight assists on 11 made field goals in the fourth quarter. Still pretty damn and good. And now the Bucks are now 57-4 and four under Mike Budenholzer when they have 30 or more assists. So that just just get something. just get assists all day, and you'll win fifty seven out of sixty one times. Um, also in the fourth quarter, Kings went nearly four minutes without a field goal at one point. God, they scored one hundred thirteen. Jesus, and they and they went four minutes without a field goal at, at one point. That's wild. So you brought up Giannis thirty five seven assists. Drew Holiday had thirty one points. Drew Holiday only one turnover. Love to see it. Chris Middleton had 14, 6, and 6. Only one turnover. Love to see it. Brooke Lopez had 17, 9, and 3. Like, damn. And then, fundamental failures from this game. Only the four missed free throws. Uh, Only four points off turnovers for Sacramento. So you see what that does when you only turn the ball over seven times? They only scored four points off turnovers. And only 11 second chance points for Sacramento. 19 fundamental failure points. That's oh, wow. it. I'm willing to bet that will be one of the lowest, if not the lowest, of the entire season. I'm going to say that's going to be the lowest. Oh, 19 is going to be hard to beat, bro. It's going to be hard I to beat. I circled that like 34 times in my notebook. 19 on the fundamental failure points for second chance points, points off turnovers and missed free throws. Oh, man, that made me so happy. They averaged 33 last year for anyone who doesn't keep track of that as closely as I do because I made it up. (laughs) All right. All right. I did write an article on it if anybody wants to read that. It's kind of tedious to read because it's a lot of explaining, but it makes sense to me when I say it. So, (laughs) all right, let's go. Let's go Bucks and Mavericks. Kind of a weird game, but let's talk about the Bucks and the Mavericks. Let's throw it to you from that game. 
Well, the first thing that stood out to me is me and you were watching it, and we say a lot of shit at like the exact same time. So like our timing is getting in sync. The things I we say is getting night. in sync. Get out of my head, bro. It's it's crazy. Um, oh, dude, it was a good game. That was that one felt uh, that one felt like a both teams kind of throwing jabs at each other. You know what I mean? Like you take this jab, and we're gonna throw this jab, and it was it was a it was a good game. I don't want to say it was the the worst ref game of the week for us because uh, I'm not saying for us, but like in general, I think last night's game was horribly refed. Um, it was sloppy. that that ref was fucking. He was trying to be the face of that game, and he really kind of made himself the face of the game. I don't think some yeah. of the calls that were made on the Warriors were very fair. I'm just gonna go out and say that. Oh I no, a Bucks fan saying that. that. That's crazy. I also don't think that one of Giannis's 10 seconds calls was 10 seconds. It was a good eight. Because now when Giannis Agreed. is shooting free throws, I do the I do the ref count mm-hmm. to see if, if Giannis is actually taking you know 10, 12 seconds. The one that he got called was eight seconds. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. So that's... last night was was weird. But so it is what it is. one of the I first things quick, I noticed. If the Bucks and the Mavericks meet in the playoffs, I would be okay with that. Because that means we're in the finals. I would be okay with that too. I don't think Luca can do it by himself, though. Um, again, good God, I did not realize how much that guy complains. Holy shit! He literally—I I think it was the next game. Luca literally got a tech for yelling at his teammate. That he was did. insane to me. Um, but yeah. I commented on there, kind of petty, but I was like, "Yeah, it's because they're sick of title list and that guy yelled at him all game. They want to tell him to shut the hell up." Jesus Christ. So we go to this game. The Bucks had 10 more turnovers in this game. So they had 27 assists and 17 turnovers. That was something I didn't enjoy. Um, still 19 to 23 from the free throw line compared to the Mavericks, 10 for 24. I know, I know Tyler is gonna have a fucking six stat for this. So I'm just gonna leave that be what it is. So when you go to playmaking, the game before against the Kings. We had seven players with at least three assists. In this game, we had five players with at least three assists. Um, Giannis, Drew, Chris, Grayson Allen, same four from the starting lineup, just not Brooke Lopez. And then you add in George Hill again. Like I said, this guy's been consistent for us, just making plays. He comes in. He makes big-time threes. He makes the right pass. He's running the lanes correctly. I mean, him and Chris had a little mishap at the end of the quarter. I believe it was the third quarter last night, but – other than that, you know, they talked about it. And, you know, those two professionals, I trust them to, to figure that situation out on the fly. Um, they kept the ball moving even when shots weren't being made. But I like the energy in this game. So yeah. I'm going to get – I'm still going to give them an A on playmaking in this game. I'm just going to be grading the playmaking. I give them an A. Um, like I said, they kept moving the ball and the energy was fantastic. Um, in terms of bench production, only four players played off the bench. 26 points, 20 rebounds, 8 assists. The bench is only going to get deeper, which is fucking scary. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm just going to say it. I know that everybody's talking about it in national media as well. The Bucs or Celtics are winning the title. Um, as much as that hurts me to say about Boston, Boston is a fantastic basketball team. Um, yeah. I talk a lot of shit to Celtics fans this year because I know that they're our biggest threat for a title. Um, yep. Plus – I kind of like the little rivalry feel, you know, kind of why I t- talk shit to the Bears fans, you know. Um, they're still our biggest rival, even though that they're dog shit. Um, but, in the, but in this case, the Celtics are our biggest biggest threat for, for the title this year, as it stands right now. 
they're definitely on a collision course. Um, that Christmas Day game is going to be massive. Um, so yes. bench production is just going to continue to get better. Um, we had 44 points in the paint. The Mavs had 48. That is the same as the Kings. It seems like they're going to be giving up somewhere around that that 45 to 50 every game. So as long as you hold the three-pointers down and we give up 45 to 50 in the paint, that seems to be livable. I mean, the Which Bucks means- are averaging right around like 46 points per game. Right, um, allowed in the paint, so that's pretty much on par with our average. Matt said, mm-hmm. which means the Blazers could win it all. Uh, technically, they could, um, but no. <laughs> Just like you know, I don't think the Pelicans. They're I don't think they're ready. The Pelicans are the Cavaliers of the Western Conference. That's how I see them. That's fair. Um, the Suns are the Suns are old and cranky. Um, is how it seems. Um, God, seeing, what a the bunch Chris, of... seeing the way that Chris Paul acted during their scuffle with the Pelicans like made me lose respect for him. I'm not gonna bro, lie. just how all of them act, dude. DeAndre Ayton acting like he deserves a max contract when he got dogged by a guy with one leg in the finals. Like, bro, he scored 50 with one and a half legs. You want a max contract for that? Devin well, then Booker you get got Devin, a big giant head. Devin Booker doing the chicken wing and Oh my God! The Suns. The are fact just, that he gets away with that is annoying too. The Suns made the finals. <laughs> they didn't even win. The son of a bitch. They made yeah. the finals and they act like they're hot shit. Get the fuck out of here, man. That's all. I <laughs> Matt, I know it was a joke. I know you're joking. All right. Matt, so for me, Bucks and Maverick. Literal, man. <laughs> Keep going. It's it's hard for me to take a lot of things literally because I'm such a sarcastic person, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, so. Bucks got off to a kind of a slow start in the second quarter, and then they went on a 10-0 run. Chris Middleton scored eight of the ten during that run. Um, actually, the Bucks got down. I want to give Budenholzer credit. Actually, um, Bucks get down 18 to 11, and then Budenholzer calls a timeout. The Bucks respond by going on a 7-0 run. I, I mean, I don't see how things like this can happen so often. And people not realize the correlation between Budenholzer calling timeouts and the Bucks immediately starting to score. So there's all these conversations that I see constantly about Budenholzer doesn't make adjustments. Budenholzer never makes adjustments. And then they call timeouts and they go on runs or they, they get out of bounds plays and they score on them all the fucking time. And people don't draw that that's a conclusion that those are adjustments that the coaching staff is making. That's literally what it is. Mm-hmm. You just you just came off of the bench where the coach was telling you all the stuff that the other thing other team is doing, and here's what you go do, and then the Bucks do those things and they score a bunch of points. Like it's not only the players interpreting what's going on in the game. That's what coaches are for. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a a, com- a combination of effort, but for people to still be questioning Budenholzer after the, the run that the Bucks have been on since 2018, including winning a championship. Yeah. Like, the volatility from game to game still bugs me. And, you know, the Rockets game and the, um, the Warriors game are going to be a perfect example of that. But even closer than that are the Warriors or the Mavericks and the Rockets games. Yeah. And I will, I will allude to it when I get to fundamental failures, and I will explain it why. But... Uh, the Bucks had a lead at halftime, despite Giannis being two of ten from the field. That was impressive to me. 
Um, you get into the second half. The Bucks, the Bucks got to be better on boxing out. This frustrated me a couple times. Luca missed two free throws, and Dallas got a tip in. And then right after that, they went on a run, and they opened their lead up to 12 points. Mm-hmm. So got to finish those possessions. Uh, then we get into a point where Giannis just goes insane. The Bucks literally went on an 8-0 run in one minute. I, I know. We were freaking out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Bucks on an 8-0 run in a minute. And then Giannis, 30-point game streak comes to an end. He gets his sixth foul. He falls out on Tim Hardaway shooting a three, which you just got to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. And Tim Hardaway goes to the line for three free throws and misses all three. All three. Mavericks is a team, like Jake said, were 10 of 24. They were 7 of 15 in the fourth quarter. Yikes. Oh, no. That's that's terrible. So I, I got that. That was the second most free throws they've missed in a game this season. Mm-hmm. They just missed 15 against the Pistons about a week before, and they lost that game in overtime. Yikes. Free throws win games. They do. So two things I want to get out of the way quick. Um, Drew Holiday, 17-7-6. Middleton, 19 points. Second most, yeah, second most. They missed 15 in a game, too. 19 points, three rebounds, five assists for Chris Middleton. Giannis had the 28-10 and and did have seven turnovers. Obviously, offensive fouls come as turnovers. So when you look at last night's game and you see Pat Connaughton had four turnovers, two of those were offensive Fouls by Connaughton, but yeah, I know Matt. You'd think fourteen missed free throws would be anybody's most in a game, but uh, yeah, Dallas would like to raise you fifteen. And I'm gonna say it. <clears throat> Giannis's fifth foul was fucking trash because they didn't call the charge on Luca when he lowered the shoulder on Grayson Allen. That was yeah, that was bad. That was trash. Um, did you see the shot after shot of Cuban after Hardaway missed all all three of those? No way, I didn't see that. Oh, that's funny. You know, me and Tyler were <laughs> we were uh we did the Packer show and then we were we were watching the game. We were messing around on our laptops, uh trying to learn some shit. And uh we were watching the game. We both talked about Cuban. We we're like, oh god, we just love Mark Cuban. It just sucks that he owns the Mavericks and just because of Dallas, you know, you hear Dallas and you're just like ick. Yeah. You know, if I could if I Cowboys. could disassociate Mark Cuban from the Dallas Mavericks, like other than that, he's like a great person. Oh, yeah, he's phenomenal, especially as a businessman. I mean, the guy's got the money to show yeah. for it. And he's, like, a legit because... good person, too. So, like, he's got that. Like, he started the the prescription program where people can get their prescriptions and stuff cheaper. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like all the power to Mark Cuban, but quit being a dick at Mavericks games. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, hey, I was trying to help you by tweeting you through it. The Bucks came back, and the Bucks eventually got the win. Um, this game, I feel like, is one of those games like the Badgers have played all season, where everybody you you know everybody's talking about the Badgers, and they're like, even Greg Gard said it. He's like, I feel like I'm gonna age 125 years by the end of this season. That's the kind of game that the Bucks and Mavericks game was. Yeah, Eesh. it was stressful, but uh, it was good ball. I feel like it was it was good basketball. Plays on both sides. Matt said Cuban is an alum of the school I work for. He's like, I work at IU now and went to grad school there. Nice. How annoying was it, though, that they showed the freaking Luka dunk like 10 bazillion times? 
I and I was on ESPN, so I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're going to show that replay no less than eight times. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, they did. Yeah, they had to get the angle, you know, up his shorts too. You know, they had to get all the angles. So that and, uh, I know. think ESPN is pretty far up the shorts of Luka Doncic already. <laughs> You're welcome for that assist, by the way. That was thought out. <laughs> <laughs> we had fun. It was funny to me. So, hey, Bill, Bill, we had to bring it up because when the game was over, I clipped Luca yelling, and I put that that was how we felt after the Bucks won. <laughs> Just to really emphasize the pettiness level on that, because Luca spent eighty-five percent of this game complaining to the refs, bro. Even after he got calls, it was like, bro, you got the call. Shut the fuck up. Come yeah. on, and that's man. something I just—that's something I don't respect Trey Young for doing, and now Luca was doing it too. It's like, dang it! I actually liked Luca before that. I know, and it's like now I like him less. But I will say his interview after the game made me feel a little bit better. He was talking about how um, it's amazing that Drew has never won a Defensive Player of the Year because he's so good on defense. Um, he gave a shout out to Giannis. He said, "You know, twenty-eight points. We kind of stopped him, but you don't stop a guy like that." And then before we move on to the Rockets game, shout out Chris Middleton for knowing the final play. Shout out Chris Dude, Middleton for talking about that. Switch. I want to give Chris Middleton credit for the defense that he played on Luca in the fourth quarter too. Yeah. Cause he actually stopped Luca three different times on the same possession. Like Luca was trying to get by him. He couldn't get by him. He had to pass the ball back out, tried to like post him up. He got pushed back out more. And then he tried to drive by him again and he couldn't get past him. And he had to, to pass out to Dinwiddie who had to take like a desperation three at the end of the shot clock. Um, yeah, Matt, who knew Chris Middleton's pretty good. I've only been saying it for like, I don't know, seven years now. Um, I, I still remember at one of the jobs that I used to work at that dudes were like, Oh, I'm not sold on Middleton. And I've been saying it for like, seriously, it feels like six years, seven years now. I got Jake to come around on him. So I got that going for me. He, and you know what? Since we're having this conversation real quick, I saw somebody uh, talk, make a post, and they were talking about, uh, I will not talk bad about Middleton until he literally costs us a championship. And I commented, I was like, mm, Toronto 2019. I really feel like we would have won that finals. I do. Um, I know that things would have been different, and I'm not saying that KD and Clay would have got hurt at the same time, but the Bucks that year were really, really fucking good. Middleton was starting to hit stride. Giannis was the MVP. I mean, who knows what would have happened, but I will say when I sat down, you know, without judgment and I watched Chris Middleton play basketball, I was like, he's got game for sure. Um, My criticism is on called for most of the time. And I had to check myself, man. Chris Middleton's a baller. So, you know, you bring up Toronto as that being a series that he potentially cost us. Chris Middleton is also a Boston Celtic killer. That's that is very true. Since since the moment that he hit the the 48-footer with 0.6 seconds on the clock to tie the game and send that game into overtime in that series, like Middleton's just been like the, like the Celtics nightmare. Yeah, that was fucking sick, bro. I'll never forget that. I was like, oh, my God. I, I was either. running around my house. I was like, let's go. <laughs> I know. I, I lost it. And, Matt, that's a perfect way to say it. Um, people are still trying to confirm their priors. That's – that's a great way to say it, and it applies to so many things. I can think of four things off the top of my head 
that that applies to. Yeah. You want me to name them? I could name you four things off the top of my head that people like still attach their first expectation years later. I mean, Graham Mertz is on there for sure. Graham Mertz is number one. Jordan, Jordan Love. Love is on the list. You could put Chris Middleton on the list. And then the other thing I would put on the list is that the Brewers never spend money. No, that's fair. The The Brewers have literally been two, like the last two seasons, their highest payrolls. So like <laughs> in 2021, they had their highest payroll ever, and then they did higher in 2022. Um, <clears throat> Middleton is just Michael Jordan light playing with an amplified version of Shaq. At least that's how I like to see it. I mean... I've seen worse comparisons. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Giannis yeah. is definitely amplified Shaq with better ball handling. I'll agree to that part. Quite, but... I don't think he has quite the footwork that Shaq did. Like, Shaq's footwork was so nuts. If you um, add in the Euro step, he does. All right. Fine. And Michael Jordan light, I see it just because of the mid range. Like, Chris Middleton's mid range is nuts. That's fair. But Jordan, um, Jordan can literally get to the teeth of the defense and score. He yeah. he was like, he was like a shorter Giannis. Where if he got in there, it was a bucket. Yeah, he's a better slasher. That's fair. He's just On more top athletic. of being good. But Middleton's Middleton's gotten better at going to the rim. Like last night's game, he had that sweet. Um, yeah, he had the like spin, and then he went to the other side of the rim and and put it in with his left hand. I was like, ooh, that was yeah, nice. That, that was sick. All right. So you were starting to touch on it that Chris Middleton knew. Yes, uh, Matt, the Brewers made a trade. They inquired uh, Owen Miller. He's a an infielder. Um, uh, they got him from the Guardians for a player to be named later. Um, okay. <clears throat> so uh, we'll definitely be looking at that. We're looking at doing some Brewers content probably on the 28th of December. We're going to do some Brewers stuff that day. Um, and yes, Bill, Chris is the perfect opposite of Giannis. Giannis rules the paint. Chris has the mid range and Chris can hit threes. He was showing that last night too. Um, but I want to get back to the end of this Dallas game where Middleton drew and the Bucks coaching staff identified the play that the, the Mavericks were, were about to run. <clears throat> and even Luca caught on to the fact that the Bucks caught on to their play. And Luca's mm-hmm. looking at his, at his coaches trying to get them to change the play or just to switch it. He tried to get Christian Wood to switch with him, but Christian Wood wasn't looking at him. And the Mavericks had no timeout, so they couldn't call a timeout to reset something else. Uh, it was – shoot, I forget what the Twitter page is called. Um, let me let me get it. I want to give credit to it because they called it out perfectly. Um, half-court hoops, that's what it is. They broke it down so well where they talked about – Dallas running this play where they set a high screen. They screen down from Christian Wood to Luka Doncic. And when the Bucks called this out, they they realized the play. Chris Middleton started on Luka, and Drew Holiday started on Christian Wood. So that way when they screened, all they had to do was switch, and then Luka was forced to shoot like a 35-footer, um, and it didn't even touch the rim. The other thing I want to point out on that is that Christian Wood was trying to push um, Chris Middleton into the paint. And Chris Middleton stonewalled him. He couldn't get past Chris Middleton. No. Like, I was like, damn, okay, Chris Middleton just standing up to Christian Wood. All right, I like to see it. <laughs> now, are you ready for a perfect transition from the Mavericks game to the Rockets game? I am ready. Fundamental failures is the transition. 
Now listen to this. Points off turnovers in the Dallas game, 14. Second chance points in the Dallas game, 16. Missed free throws, 4. 40, so a total of 34 fundamental failure points in the Dallas game. Now, Houston game. Points mm-hmm. off turnovers for Houston, 18. Second chance points, 12. Missed free throws, 4 again. 34 fundamental failure points. Here is why context matters in sports. This mm-hmm. right here is the perfect example of looking at these two games. The Bucks scored a difference of 14 points in these two games. They won one. They lost one. They won the game against a better opponent and lost the game against a team that's at the bottom of the Western Conference. Perfect True. example of why context matters in sports. It's also a perfect example of why there is not one statistic that can, can perfectly explain everything in a game. So I have, you know, I have my fundamental failures thing that I made to to determine how well teams were doing the three biggest fundamentals, in my opinion. But it does not explain the entire game because it doesn't explain field goal efficiency. It doesn't explain the rebounding battle. It does a little bit on the offensive rebounding part of it, but that's only from one perspective of one team. So there's so much context that goes into these things going from one game to the other, despite the fundamental failures being the same and being almost completely identical. Mm-hmm. So the Bucks actually started this game off crazy hot. Um, Giannis just picking up where he left from his last game against the Rockets. He scored or assisted on the first 12 points of the game. Drew hit two threes early. Bobby Portis had seven rebounds in the first in the first quarter. Sorry, first quarter. Um, and then you know seeing Drew Holiday consistently making threes is it makes me happy for him because he got off. To kind of kind of dog them a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I don't think anybody was happy about that game. Um, but seeing Drew Holiday consistently hit some threes after some early struggles is encouraging. And then we get to the second half, and the Bucks were up 79-74 to end the third quarter. And over the last seven minutes of the game, the Bucks were outscored 16-5. to Thirteen points. I didn't look, but I'm willing to say that that's the lowest scoring quarter they've had the entire season. Yeah. Um, but I will say there were some good things here. Uh, Budenholzer brought it up after the game that the Bucks played good defense. Anytime you hold a team to 97, that should be enough to get you a win. Um, Houston only scored 19 points in the first quarter. I want to bring up Tari Eason. He's a rookie from LSU. Tari Eason. Tried to dunk on Brooke Lopez, and it did not work. Yeah. Brooke Lopez has the most blocked dunk attempts in the NBA this year, too, on top of having every other block and contested shot statistic you can find. He's also blocked the most dunks this season. Not shocking. Probably because he's, probably because he's blocked MB trying to dunk on him like four times in two games already. <laughs> right. So I had to throw that out there. And then Bobby Portis. Another double-double, 17 points, 15 rebounds, and two assists. Giannis had 18 rebounds. That's his season high. And then Drew Holiday, 25 points, six rebounds, eight assists, three steals, and then five turnovers. The only thing I can really complain about there is the five turnovers. I'd like to see that down. And then Brooke Lopez wasn't really much of a factor in this game, honestly, uh, but he did still have three blocks. So, What's the note to you from this Bucks and Rockets game? You said Brooke Lopez. 
back to the Mavericks game for one second. We forgot to mention that he made one shot, and it was the game-winning shot. You're right. You're right. Um, which that. that is fucking amazing. Um, all right. See you later, Bill. Take care. Drive safe, buddy. Um, so in this game, uh, going to the playmaking, which I'm paying attention to this week, only two players with three plus assists, Giannis and Drew Holiday. I think they relied on Giannis to take over too much. I didn't like that at all. Um, I would, I like the bucks better. They just be, they become deadly when they have the best player in the league and then everybody's involved. Right then, they're damn near unstoppable. Yeah. That's when I watch them. And I'm well, like, we were going to talk oh. about it from last night's game. So we are, and, and that's when you're looking at them. You're like, "There's no goddamn way that anybody's better than us." Right? We have the best player, and our team's playing crazy. In this game, that did not happen. So I'm giving I'm giving the playmaking and the ball movement a fucking f for this game because it just fucking pissed me off so much. I was watching this game and I was like, "This is so annoying." And then the execution down down the stretch, it was like it, it was it became almost. Uh, 2018 Packers like when like you knew the play they were gonna run like you saw them line up and you're like yeah this is a fullback dive <laughs> I've seen this one before um they ran the back to back lobs to Giannis and it was just like why are you doing that like we we just saw this like literally like eight seconds ago like you're doing it again um then you go to bench production we got 33 points 23 rebounds and five assists um only five players off the bench. I did not like the assist to turnover ratio in this game. 18 assists, 16 turnovers. That's not what you like to see. When the Rockets were damn near two to one, we were nearly one to one. Um, only 36 points in the paint to the Rockets, 56 points in the paint. I will say, if I can give credit to the Rockets for anything, Jalen Green is a certified young stud. I will say that the kid is not afraid of the moment and he could absolutely fly through the air. So having that ability to float and change your shot in the paint, it almost reminded me of a young John Morant. I don't want to give him that credit yet, but he almost looked like a young John Morant to me. Um, I will say if I was going to give the Rockets credit for anything, it's just their athleticism in general. I mean, up and down the roster. I mean, McDaniels, Jabari Smith, Green. Like, there's just pure athleticism just up and down their entire roster. Yeah, and Jalen Green's going to be the key. You have the keys to the car pretty soon here, but 33 of 90. Uh, you're not going to win many games with, with that poor efficiency. But uh, mm. as I stated earlier, the playmaking and the creativity and everything about this game was just throw it out. It's uh, like we talked about with the Brewers. When they lose 9-0, to zero, throw that game out. All right. So to move on that game, let's, let's talk about Matt's point here that Brooke Lopez should be the unanimous defensive player of the year. Nobody else comes close right now. I agree that right now there is nobody close. There's nobody even close to Brooke Lopez right now because of the impact that he's making. I will say in a very teeny tiny sample size that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to eventually compete with Brooke Lopez, but obviously he's got to build up a much bigger sample size um, than he has early this season. Um, And I want Brooke Lopez to win it. But if I had to pick somebody other than Brooke Lopez to win it, that wasn't on the Bucks. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. would be my pick. Like I actually really like him as a player. So mm-hmm. I'm, I would be okay with it if nobody on the Bucks could win it for some reason. You know, like, you know, it's one of those things where you got to pick somebody but not on your team. Like, that's who I would pick. Um, I'm with that. So let's go to last night's game. We'll just completely get away from the Rockets game. Now let's go to last night's game. What did you see from that that stood out to you? <laughs> well, the first thing I want to laugh at is Steve Kerr saying, let's wear down this team. I was like, 
dude Bruh. i heard that too oh man i'm like you have nobody going to wear us down bro you want to wear it on the Bucks? You got to wear it on Giannis, and you ain't got nobody over there worth a damn wearing down Giannis. Dude, you you got to wear it on Bobby Portis. Nobody yeah, that can do too. that. True that. The only player I will give credit to that I think could like literally like consistently for like a series is PJ Tucker. That's the only one. Oh, man, just because just because he can he talks. And he plays that physical brand of basketball for 48 minutes. That's the only guy I'm giving credit to. PJ is an absolute dog. And he he could probably wear down Giannis. He would wear on Bobby Portis a little bit too. But that's the only guy I'm naming. There ain't nobody else. I don't care. I, I mean, unless you're unless you're throwing in cheap shot and bead. <laughs> that still annoys me. You know, yeah. on your point about nobody can wear the Bucks down. It, it stood out to me pretty apparently with, again, the amount of complaining going on. You know, if Man. Stan Van Gundy is saying there's a lot of complaining going on, that there's a lot of complaining going on. So yeah. pretty much every single time the whistle blew, the Warriors were looking at the refs, similar to the Dallas game. Now, my point with this was, is I don't think the Warriors were remotely close to ready for how physical the Bucks are. No, the Warriors are they're definitely a finesse team with Clay mm-hmm. Curry and Jordan Poole. They were not ready for the physicality that the Bucks had. The Bucks mm. were by far the most physical team in that game, and there's there's nothing that the Warriors were ready for. Mm. PJ Tucker doesn't want the smoke over a seven game series. I mean, I- we saw him do well in some seven game series a couple of years ago, but. This season I mean, so far, P.J. Tucker and Giannis going head-to-head has not worked out well for P.J. Tucker. I mean, P.J. Tucker is about that life. I'll just say that about P.J. Tucker. Um, he definitely don't run from no smoke. Um, dude, he literally was or, guarding, like, um, Prime KD. Bro, K- Prime KD was giving him fucking shots after shot, and P.J. just kept coming back. Um, so I will never disrespect P.J. Tucker ever again. Um, on that note, what did I see? I saw the Warriors hit 23 pointers. That is 60 of yes, their 111. If they, and I know they shot 50, but if they don't make all those threes, they're absolutely getting shit canned in this game. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, imagine they miss two, three, maybe eight more of those three pointers because we know DiVincenzo isn't cashing those all the time. Um, uh, who the hell was that rookie? That came in the game, the two-way player. Forgot his last name. Um, Lamb. Uh, Lamb came in the game. He hit two or three of them. Um, I'll just I'll just say this. They don't make those shots. They ain't competing with us. They only had 37 rebounds. We had 55 of them, boys. You want to look at one thing, and Tyler was talking about physicality. You look at rebounds when you want to talk about physicality. Who is the mm-hmm. – and- I understand that some of them are long rebounds and shit, so it could be misleading. You can make a case for that. But most of the time, it's just who the hell wants it more. And Bobby Portis and Giannis. And, Bro. <laughs> and I want to give – and you brought it up earlier. I want to give credit to Pat Connaughton. He had another big one in this game where yeah. it was, looks like it was going to be a rebound, two Warriors right there, and Pat comes over and just slaps at the ball, and it ends up finding Bobby Portis who grabs it and puts it up for a layup. 
that's another hustle play that just makes me and you fall in love with Pat Connaughton because he just constantly makes those plays. Him and Bobby are constantly just around the ball, making plays with their hands and their effort. It's kind of why we fell in love with Javon Carter as well. But um, when you talk about bench production in this game, uh, 51 points from the bench. 24 rebounds. Still. Still. Uh, 24 rebounds and seven assists. Eight players, because we had to pull the plug, played off the bench in this game. And in terms of playmaking, four players had three-plus assists. Giannis, Chris Carter, and again, our boy George Hill. Again, with at least three assists. And you're like, three assists, that should be easy. Well, George Hill and Carter played limited minutes, and they still found a way to get three assists. That tells me that the ball movement was fantastic. People were getting to the rim. They were cutting. People were moving. They were active. The energy was high. And making open this shots is, is exactly, a big part of it, too. Yeah, this is exactly what I expected after a, a dud of a game against the Rockets. Um, you sandwich a couple of good games uh, around that Rockets game, and that's what you get from the Bucs. Um, that Rockets game is definitely the outlier. So in terms of that, I was very happy. The Warriors, and I said this last year, people were laughing at me. The Bucs would slap the shit out of the Warriors in the finals. And I will stand on that. And after they do it, we're cutting this. We're at 145, probably around 30 seconds. We are cutting this shit. And I'm going to post that shit everywhere because I said it first. We would slap the living shit out of the Warriors in the finals. I really feel so that I way. saw some. I saw some Warriors fans complaining about the refs. And I'm like, bruh. Like you lost by 17. Like find a better excuse. He's right. like, it's hard playing against the Bucks and the refs. And I'm like, the refs didn't make Curry shoot six of 17. The refs didn't make Jordan Poole shoot six of 17. The refs didn't make Clay Thompson shoot six of 16. The refs didn't make 11 of 15 shots by Bobby Portis. The refs didn't make Grayson Allen not miss a single shot. Find a better excuse. True. And then I saw people, you know, some Warriors fans being like, oh, we didn't have Andrew Wiggins. Bucks didn't have Drew Holiday. Come on, man. So, you know, going into this. So, Golden State jumps out to a quick 7-0 lead. The Bucks respond with an 18-6 run. So, the Bucks take an 18-13 lead. Uh, over the, the course of the first quarter, total ended up being a 38-21 run. Uh, at the end of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, during this game, Giannis also became the Milwaukee Bucks all-time leader in minutes played. So that happened. Ooh. Yeah, bro, dude, I got way more stats coming yet. Uh, um, I want to address Chris Middleton shooting a deep pull-up three-pointer uh, with 30 seconds on the clock and 20 seconds on the shot clock. You'll hear a lot during games. You'll hear um, commentators say things like uh, two-for-one situation. Whereas if you shoot the ball before the 24 seconds, um, if you shoot the ball with more than 24 seconds left on the game clock, it essentially guarantees you another possession in that quarter. So that's why Chris Middleton took a a deep three, you know, two steps behind the three-point line, just kind of jacked up a three, because you're still guaranteed another possession by shooting that shot with 30 seconds left. guarantees you about six seconds um, on the other side of the other team's possession. Now, I want to address a second quarter sequence that went like this. Dante DiVincenzo shooting a three-pointer that Pat Connaughton sends 12 rows deep. (laughs) 
followed by Giannis Antetokounmpo going one on four and dunking on them. Oof. Followed by Clay Thompson being run off the three point line, trying to take a scoop layup that Brooke Lopez sent 11 rows deep. <laughs> that shit was awesome, bro. <laughs> that might be my favorite sequence of that game. You go massive block, dunk on your whole team, and another massive block. Dude, I was literally laughing. And I'm watching this with my, with my son. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe he blocked the three-pointer. I'm like, oh, my God, he dunked on the entire city of San Francisco. I'm like, oh, my God, he just made Clay Thompson look so small. And my stepson just, just keeps looking at the TV like, what is happening right now? He's, like, freaking out. And I'm just like, dude, that was an amazing sequence that just happened. Yes. So the Bucks missed a couple of mid-range shots. Golden State kind of cut into the lead a little bit. And I want to give Wesley Matthews credit for hitting a three-pointer because it's not going to go noticed you know, outside of the box score, is that that was an opportunity for Golden State to start to make a bit of a run. Mm -hmm. And the Bucks were missing some shots. Golden State was getting a couple scores. And then Wesley Matthews hit a three. I think it made the lead back up to eight points, I believe, at that point. Um, and then the Bucks finished the first half absolutely fantastic on a 6-0 run going into halftime. Actually, after the Bucks took that lead in that early first quarter run, they did not give the lead back. So they led almost the entire game, except for the early lead that Golden State jumped out to. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to second half. The Bucks go on a 5-0 run coming out of halftime. Uh, and then it started to get like, Giannis getting the paint. You know, Giannis was getting to the paint. He was scoring in the paint. He was distributing well when he got to the paint. Um, I think at that point, it turned less into Giannis taking what the defense gave him and more into Giannis trying to get some jump shots on in-game rhythm bro um kane Pittman from the lockdown bucks podcast said that he thinks that if the game was closer that Giannis wouldn't be shooting those mm -hmm. and i do agree with that um you know he would be you know trying to get to where he scores best um did you have a thought on that real quick or yeah dude we played the defending champs and Giannis was using it as a fucking scrimmage bro like <laughs> are you serious right now <laughs> That's, that's the one he made was like the hardest one that he took too he took one with a hand in his face and that's the one he made and then he goes finally i'm like you jackass we're all saying that finally you made one aye, aye, aye. that guy i tell you what so <laughs> 22 turnovers is slop um yeah and the bucks scored 92 points on sunday the bucks hit 92 points on a george hill free throw with two minutes and 31 seconds left in the third quarter. Yep. Now, yeah. I do think, too, that the Bucks not only won this game with their physicality, but also their versatility. Mm -hmm. um, you look at the Warriors, there's not a lot of versatility on that team, honestly. You know, there's guys are either three-point shooters or paint players or defenders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, taking those guys out of their boxes, um, it, it made the Warriors look uncomfortable. Now, you ready for some, some good stats? I'm going to throw out the totals. Um, Giannis had 30, 12, and 5. Chris Middleton had a season-high 20, four rebounds and three assists. Grayson Allen was 6 for 6 from the field, 2 for 2 on threes. He had 16 points, four rebounds and two assists. Bobby Portis went crazy, had 25. 
and 11 of 15 shooting and 11 rebounds. Um, we have football fan watching. He's just football See that. fan. See that. <laughs> All right, here we go. You ready for some nuts stats? Yes. Players not named Giannis Atenacumpo. So you take out Giannis's nine for 26, and this is everybody else on the team. 36 of 56 from the field. 64.3% on field goals. Yeah, that's 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 insane. Good. 11 that's of 23 good. on threes. That's just under 15%. And then Giannis was 11 for 17 at the free throw line. You take that out, Sorry. which um 10 second violations count as missed free throws. So Giannis had six missed yep. free throws. Technically four if you don't count the two 10-second calls. Now, mm-hmm. the rest of the Bucks outside of Giannis were 15 for 15 at the free throw line. I, I told you I was watching the Magic stream last week, and the, one of the things that they said is this Bucks team is an elite free throw shooting team. Don't let the numbers lie to you because outside of Giannis, Everybody on this team is capable of shooting a very high elite number. They said everybody on this team probably shoots 80, 80 to 85% or better outside of Giannis. Yeah, Bobby Portis is at like 70, 78, something like that, that. I mean, still, when you follow Bobby Portis, you're like, shit, that should be two, you know? Right. Um, and he's a good shooter from everywhere else, so you'd expect that he's a good free throw exactly. shooter as well. Um, I wanted to pull something up. So, okay. The Bucks scored 128 points on a night where Giannis was 9 for 26. Think about that. And he still scored 30. So, when Matt was talking about he's like, you know, if, if Giannis plays while well, he scores 50, let's just say he scores 40. Let's just say he scores 40 on some better efficiency. That means the Bucks would have scored 138 points last night. Without our starting point guard who can drop 20 to 30 on any night. And then we're talking about a team that's in the top tier defensively. Not on please the explain but... to me, please explain to me how the Bucks are not the best, if not second best, and I still think they're the best team in the NBA. Oh, they're easily the best. Um, not easily. Let me watch my words. They're the best team, in my opinion, because of their versatility off the bench. And with their starters, we could play so many different ways. We could play big lineups, small lineups, ball handling, three-point shooting, defense. And we don't even have all our goddamn players yet. And some of our players aren't even shooting good right now. Like, this is a problem. (laughs) Not for us. It's awesome for us. (laughs) We are a legit problem. And I saw a video last night. And, God, I just hate Marcus Smart. And I talk about him all the time because I hate him so much. So Derek White was trying to take a charge and it just looked sloppy. And Westbrook fell over and blah, blah, blah. And it was just looked stupid. And then Marcus Smart was going to go get the rebound. And he saw, he went like this and he saw Anthony Davis behind him. So he was like, oh, <laughs> I hate him so much. Like you, how you feel about James Harden is how I feel about Marcus Smart. Like I just have a passion for him where I'm just like, you so, are horrible. I let hate me say you this. For being good on defense. 
let me say this because I feel like it's going to apply to you. Is part of the reason you don't like him is because he has the capability of playing the right way but chooses not to? Yes, dude. That's the only thing that bothers me. I've actually seen him play good defense. But the fact that he chooses to fucking flop and it's like, you know, and I've, and we talked to James and James is a, he's a good dude and he's a good, he's a Celtics fan and whatever. But I've told him, I'm like, dude, it is impossible to watch a Celtics game and not notice Marcus Smart on the floor for at least five minutes of that game, which is it's a long time to be on the floor. Yeah, that's a lot of minutes. Yeah. But him freaking flopping everywhere. And then you got Blake Griffin over there who always leaves the NBA in charges. He's flopping around everywhere. And then you got freaking, I don't even remember dude's name who said he was on the same level as Draymond. What the hell is that dude's name? But Jesus Christ, um, him flopping everywhere. It's just like, good fucking God. Dude. Grant They're, Williams is a flopper too. Grant Williams, that's his name. He was one that was like, oh, I'm on the same level as Draymond. No, you're not. You're just, you're, you talk a lot just like him. But God said he hates James Harden and Marcus Smart. He's an equal opportunity hater. <laughs> I don't I don't hate James Harden as much as Tyler does. I do dislike all the flopping that he does and the and the bait calling that he gets. But Marcus Smart is the defensive version of James Harden with all the bait calls. I'll just put that out there. That's fair. I can see you that. Know, because you know, look, think about it this way. James Harden won an MVP because of all his bait calls, and Marcus Smart won a defensive player of the year, kind of the MVP of defense because of his bait calls. So I just came up with that off, off the top of my head, but I, I, I can't, can't disagree with it. Ugh. I hope Giannis literally just dunks on him so hard that he gets a – he's just out for two weeks. <laughs> just out for two weeks because he's so embarrassed. Ugh. All right. Is there anything else you want to throw about this last week of games for the Bucks? No. Bucks and six. Okay. All right, so looking at the next week, the Bucs play at Memphis tomorrow. That's going to be a tough game. That game's going to be tough. And then they are at home on Saturday against Utah, and then they're at the Pelicans on Monday. That's that's going to be another tough game, but I like I said, I do think the Pelicans are like the Cavaliers of the West. So, you know, it'll be interesting seeing Giannis and Zion going at it. That'll be fun to watch. So over those three games – Give me a record prediction. I'll say two and one. I also say two and one. I do think trying to win in Memphis is going to be tough. Um, so that's the one that I have the Bucks dropping this week. Um, they're going to beat Memphis. They're I do gonna think they're going to win. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks for commenting along, Matt. We appreciate it. Um, the Pelicans game I have as a win. Partially, in fact, because they play Phoenix on Saturday and then they play the Bucks on Monday. That Phoenix game is going to be mentally and physically draining for the Pelicans because there's some bad uh, blood there now because they played twice last week and now they play again tomorrow on Saturday. So there's going to be, like I said, I think that game's going to be mentally and physically draining for the Pelicans, and then the Bucks will be able to take advantage of Monday. That's fair. That's a good. That's a good point. That was very good analysis, and especially after. Uh... The 360 dunk after the the win, uh, you know you All know right. the the Suns are gonna be taking cheap shots. Yeah, we can we can talk about that because if it was in your building, I could see being mad about it. But the fact that he did it in front of his home crowd, like, dude, let him make the people happy. Yeah, I agree. That, I agree that's the point that. that I would make. But. 
you know, and I saw somebody say, um, you're upset about two points. Uh, the game was already over. Why aren't you upset about the other 126 points that you gave up or whatever? It's like, yeah, that's what you should be pissed off about. They were like yeah. ultra like efficient against you. They put up a ton of points. You're not mad about that. You're going to you're gonna be yeah. mad about an unwritten rule. Shut the hell up with that, man. It's 2022. Yeah, we talked about unwritten rules. We did a bonus episode on that this past summer. Yeah, man. The unwritten rules thing is it's annoying. As a fan, if the Bucks, I will say that, DeAndre Ayton said he didn't have a problem with it, so I will give him credit for that. Yeah, I mean, as a Bucks fan, if Zion does a freaking dunk at the end of the game, we gave up 134 points. I would be like, dude, we sucked on defense tonight. I'm not gonna be pissed about a dunk with five seconds to go. Even even if it was like a you know whatever the end of, you know the end result is, like. If they're in New Orleans, like I'm going to recognize like he's doing that for the fans, not for himself. I agree. I agree. <sighs> All right. You got anything else? No, nah, man. Wisconsin sports are going crazy. We're on the up and up. Let's go. Yeah, it was definitely awesome to have CJ Getz on with us today. Um, we're going to have Mike Spofford with us on Friday, and then we have Cole mm-hmm. Crew with us next Wednesday, and we're doing mm-hmm. transfer targets next Wednesday. I mean, it's – it's gonna be crazy, but we got some yeah. some awesome content coming up. So um, keep hanging out with us. We appreciate everybody commenting along and commenting on the stuff that we post. It uh, definitely makes us feel good and feels that we're we're doing stuff that people enjoy and appreciate. So we appreciate that from you. So you got anything else you want to say? No, sir. Let's go, Bucks and Six. righty. I will see you Friday night. All right. Take care, buddy. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.